This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show. Well, we're joined by one of our uh, favorite people. Nelson Happy is his name, H-A-P-P-Y, a very experienced uh, lawyer. He is a former tenured professor of law and former dean of Regent University of School of Law. He went to Columbia University Law School, smart guy, you know that, and a seasoned litigator with over 53 years of legal experience. Did I get that right, sir? 53 years? Yeah, I'm only 60 years old, so I started, <laughs> started when I was really young. No, look, you are a giant when it comes to the law. And, oh, and by the way, um, you had a very a wonderful, I guess it was, uh, two or three days kind of escorting around Justice Scalia. That's you, right? That's me, yes. You and Justice Scalia, thick as thieves for a time. Uh, Nelson, can you just tell me your reaction? You're not a – I don't see you as a very political guy, but I want to go through the, the most recent case and the others. We'll get to those if you want. Sure. Justice Angaran and the $455 million ruling against Trump. The money is due in less than a month. Your reaction to that case and, uh, yeah, what's what's happening? Well, it was a shocking outcome, but I knew in advance it was going to be a bad result because the court granted summary judgment before the trial even started finding that the financial statements that Donald Trump used to obtain bank loans were fraudulent. His lawyers then said, why do we even need a trial? You've already ruled against us. But the judge disagreed and went ahead and had the trial. But I knew the result was going to be bad because the judge, when the judge makes a decision that the financial statements are fraudulent, that is like QED end of, end of discussion. Well, the judge had no qualification to actually render that, decision. He had no access to witnesses. He had no uh, experience himself. And I'm just going to run by what I told you about. Yeah, I discovered that the um, look, Donald Trump would put down a certain percentage he had in two buildings on Sixth Avenue and one in San Francisco. He had a piece of these two buildings, about 30 percent worth, which is probably something like six hundred million dollars. The judge said that Donald Trump fraudulently represented that trust. It's a trust as cash. All right. And every time Donald Trump said this was cash and he put cash in quotes mm-hmm. when it was not. And he falsely represented it as cash. I looked up the statement of financial condition and guess what? It's actually under cash and cash equivalents and escrow and prepaid expenses. Sir, just what I told you right there. And those are the facts. It is pretty much as simple as that. You're what do you think of what the judge did based on what I told you? Well, he, he made a mistake because obviously the the cash is qualified. So it doesn't mean cash in the bank. And the judge was wrong. That is just a mistake. Now, is it a mistake or is it kind of deliberate? Because he was putting the word cash in quotation marks. Now, maybe professionally, you're not allowed to. But I mean, we're I think we're being generous by calling it a mistake. Well, if I tell you that something is black, when you know, it's white, I can be mistaken. 
<laughs> it's unlikely. So, yes, I think it served the judges. Um, it made his opinion work to do that. And there were other instances as well. The, the gravamen of this is that there was no damage to anybody. Trump proved that the banks that, it, that looked at his financial statement made their own appraisals of the property. They made their own decisions. They didn't get hurt. No one lost any money. Millions of dollars of fees were paid to banks and lawyers uh, for the lenders as well as Trump. And there was no dead damage. So how do you arrive at a $355 million damage verdict when no one was hurt? Do you find it suspicious that they have that outlandishly high uh, fine, yet he's only suspended from doing this kind of business for three years? It, there's a, it, it's kind of discordant, if you will, right? Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I had that same reaction because you would think somebody that was going to have to pay $355 million would be barred for life or a long, long time. Uh, but just to be given three years, it may be that the judge was trying to make it look like more of a balanced decision so that he could um, not be criticized for just completely devastating Trump. But the dollars are the biggest devastation. Very few people could bond or pay $355 million. And that Surely the judge knows that. He's been through the yeah. financial statements in detail. Do you think the legal community understands that this is wrong? What's happening to Trump is wrong. It seems to me that anybody with common sense would know that, but they're not speaking out because, well, they just despise Trump. Is that what's happening here? Well, <clears throat> I've spoken to many lawyers about this, and Last night, I found one of my friends on this as I was riding home on the subway, and I brought this up. And he said, I don't care what the judge was right or wrong on the law. He said, Trump deserves to be punished. And I said, but doesn't this law concern you about you and your other clients as to this potential for the risk? And he said, no. He said, Trump deserves to have it happen to him. And there are a lot of lawyers that are not looking at the the precedential value of this and the danger to them and their clients from such a bad law. And I can't blame the judge for the law. The law is bad. I can judge uh, the judge about the courtroom demeanor, the handling of the trial, the overall circus that was carried out in, in Supreme court. These things, uh, were not good. It did not. It doesn't create people's feeling that the justice system is good, and that's the most dangerous part of something like this. The average person is going to be scratching their head, say, "How could this happen?" You know, the the law, which goes back to 1956. The thing about it is, I can blame the judge for using this for buying the AG's argument because if you look at that law, number one, it's a mess. It's all over the place. And he bends over backwards for five pages trying to justify using it against Trump. And quite, you can't. It disintegrates. It falls in on itself. It's just – and do you feel generally the same way about the other cases against Trump? I think that the strongest case against Trump is the one in Washington involving the, the uh, documents because I think there's no question that Trump was careless when he brought those documents to Mar-a-Lago and he put them on the stage and he didn't really take care of them. 
And I, I do, I, odd, interestingly, I visited Mar-a-Lago last year and uh, had lunch at the, uh, at the golf club. And I noticed that there were pictures all over the walls of Trump and Time Magazine, Man of the Year, all kinds of things. And I was chatting with the manager and I said, well, what do you think about Trump and all these documents, this top secret documents? And he said, oh, he said, didn't you know? He said, Donald was just collecting signatures. He said he wanted a bunch of documents to frame to put up here at the golf course. Now, you know, I believe that it's probably just that simple. Uh, it, those were trophies. He yeah. wanted to put them up. He wasn't thinking about the uh, Presidential Secrecy Act. No, Judge, listen, I have a world of respect for you, and this is the one area. Look, number a couple of things that you and many other people have been misled. The boxes on the stage were not full of classified documents. This has been this is one of the many, many myths. In fact, if you take the number of documents that are in dispute, it would take up about... You know a ream of paper that you buy for your yeah, copier? Yeah, 500 sheets. Yeah, uh, about half of that. That's not actually, a lot. Actually, a th- actually, give me a, about 110. So that's that's 20% of a, of a ream of printing paper. And they tried to scare people mm-hmm. with those pictures. Now, also, in retrospect, compared to the stuff strewn all over Joe Biden's garage, putting putting them on a gold stage, that seems like the perfect kind of custodial arrangement for precious secrets. And the other thing... There are a lot of other things, but I want to, I want to emphasize this, Judge. Yeah. And what do you think? Like, because everyone has overlooked this. They always say that Donald Trump, you know, stole these things from the White House and brought them to Mar-a-Lago. But they're all overlooking. Well, we don't have to talk about the Presidential Records Act. But when Donald Trump arrived, when he ceased being president on January twentieth of twenty twenty one, he was already in Mar-a-Lago. He arrived there at about eleven thirty five in the morning. The transition takes place at noon. Joe Biden took the oath at 1143. At 1143, uh, at 11.42 and 59 seconds, Donald Trump had access to every single piece of paper in this uh, government. And wherever he is, he's the president. So that, they always try to make it look that he kind of secreted this stuff out after the presidency. I think that's a major difference. But you didn't, that's not the question you asked me. You asked me what was the best case. No, I get it. uh, And I... I don't think it's without flaws, the right. case against him, but it's easier to prove that you have a secret document that you haven't accounted for than any of the other cases, which are all very subjective. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail from accepting payments to managing inventory Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Well, one thing they're counting on with the documents case is people not being familiar with secret documents. I was in the government. I'm sure you've done some governmental work. I had a secret clearance, you know. But most people don't, and they think of these papers as, oh, my gosh, they, they're counting on the public being like – I think they're counting on manipulating the public, manipulating the jury when it comes to this stuff. Hey, let me ask you something else. I want to totally flip this if you don't mind. All right. As crazy as Letitia James is yep. and as crazy as I think what she did against Trump is, mm-hmm. I want to say politically she had every right to attempt to wage this case. 
I have played the sound of Letitia James as a candidate running around saying, I'm going to get Trump. I'm going to get Trump. And I have played that sound saying, isn't this wrong? Isn't this wrong? Isn't this bad? Mm. However, and I want to take all the names out of it. If you have a person running for public office and they want public support and the public in a certain state thinks a certain person is a bad person and is worthy of prosecution, I don't see it how it's a problem or really how it's unethical to stand up and say, I want to prosecute this person as your prosecutor. We all know he's done bad stuff. We've all seen it in the news. We don't. So vote for me and I will do that. Is that inherently wrong? Yes. Why? Well, because the standard for a prosecutor is not whether the person has done bad things or is a bad person, but rather has actually violated the law under the four corners of the statute. And frequently prosecutors say, this is a terrible person. He's done many things, but I can't prove that he violated this law. I understand. But what about when we have sacred institutions, formerly sacred institutions like the New York Times and the CNN every single day saying that this man is a criminal, this man is a threat to Mm -hmm. democracy, this man, uh, you know, tried to overthrow the government, all these nightmarish false things, by the way, but they... Repeated, repeated, repeated. You know, the community is moved to a point that they believe this. And I could see a a candidate for public office also believing it or at least wanting to think, OK, I'm going to do what the people want. Well, oh, I totally agree with that. Letitia James is a politician. She wants to be reelected or go to higher office and playing to what the public wants is how you get votes. But it should be tempered by did the person actually do the crime that you're charging them with? And it's easy for prosecutors to pick off unpopular uh, people and prosecute them because of that and gain votes. But that's not really the way the legal system's working. Now, I'm not saying that this was – I'm not judging it one way or the other. But, but the ethics of a prosecutor – are different than just going with the political wind, at least the perfect prosecutor. That may not be true for many who are all trying to get to be governor or attorney general or move up in in their uh, office holding, but it shouldn't be. So if this happened 20, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, I, I kind of asked you this already, but more people would stand up and say, look, I just kind of saw the legal profession as a profession and there are standards and you know, there would be giants who would stand up and say, you know, former Supreme Court justices, former attorney generals, present attorney generals, people of substance, people of accomplishment, you know, who don't like the guy. I have defended Biden in this documents case. I defended Cuomo in the sexual um, uh, 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 harassment case because I thought that they should not be charged. And I think don't think that Cuomo should be removed for that stuff because they could mm-hmm. do it to one of ours. That's so rare what I did, to be honest, not to pat myself on the back. New York Times said there were three people who defended Cuomo, me, John Katsimatidis, and Rudy Giuliani. That's it. Only from the right. Nobody else. What what has happened to our culture where there aren't more people who can see right and wrong and, and, and just say, even for people we don't like, we have to have standards? I think the society has changed a lot. We were talking earlier about <clears throat> when the uh, – when the – ACLU defended the Nazi marchers in Skokie, Illinois, which is largely a Jewish neighborhood. 
people came out in outrage against the ACLU for doing it, but the ACLU felt that the principle of free speech was more important than what it was about. And people of that era of the 50s and 60s took a lot of hits for standing up for principle. And we know that people like Dwight Eisenhower and John Foster Dulles and that kind of person were above politics. They wanted to do the right thing. But today we seem to live in a society that's more governed by popularity and social media than in actual principles. And I'm not sure people even know what principles are. You know, it's interesting. And that's something I kind of learned a little bit from Trump. Um, Once you get used to criticism, like if you can be criticized and not have it bother you at all, that's very liberating. Yeah. So and I notice a lot of corporate types and I understand this to a point, you know, the moment they're mentioned on social media, (gasps) they panic. They they wilt. They wilt and they do whatever the mob wants. Yeah. And it's interesting, though. (laughs) Once you learn, you know, the mob's going to move on and you might as well just do the right thing and let the chips fall where they're And it's fun. It's a better way to live. And I think you can make more money that way. Well, it's easier, too, to remember what you did uh, when you're following some principles or guidelines. 